This episode is sponsored by Echo. Hear clearly, care confidently. Learn more at echohealth.com. That's E-K-O health.com. And use code JSP for $50 off any stethoscope. Just Some Podcast Media. The thoughts and opinions on Just Some Podcast are of the hosts and guests and do not represent the views of organizations that employ them or they volunteer for. They are also not responsible for spontaneous black holes or nuclear wars that may occur. You have been warned. Welcome, 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 everybody, to another fun-filled and exciting episode of Just Some Podcast. This is Tom. Hey, this is Ben. Tom, how are you, Ben? Uh, sweaty. It's pretty hot. Yeah. Swamp ass season has... It's in full effect. In the northern states, we're not quite as used to heat waves such as this. We're more for the cold snaps. This is not ideal for people that like igloos. Just well, saying. The fun that we get here is, you know, 95 degrees and rain, so it's like burning hot rain. It's... Good times. I also like the fact that it's very flat so that the straight winds can hit you. So it feels like you're in a hair dryer. It's amazing. It's a great combination. And if you can get out to Western areas, a little bit of dirt in the air. So it's like sandblasting all at the same time. Mm. I'm so glad you guys continue to live there. So that's awesome. That's what we do. Well, Tom, why don't you uh, introduce our guest tonight? We're going to have a guest. We haven't had a guest in quite a while. See if we can remember how to do this. I already told her pre-show I forgot. So we're going to be talking to Miss Laura tonight. She is a world-famous scuba diver, I am told, by a very unreliable source. And sometimes when she's not snorkeling, she works as a registered nurse. So Miss Laura, do you want to say hi and talk about yourself for a few minutes? Hello. Yes, I am Laura. I'm an emergency room travel nurse who loves to scuba dive when I am not in the emergency room taking care of patients. So I did not know you're traveling. Yes, I've actually been traveling for almost seven years now, and I've been a nurse almost eight. So do you specifically pick travel assignments based on your availability to scuba dive? Sometimes. Yes, I'm currently trying to go to Hawaii because I want to scuba dive in Hawaii. So fingers crossed. <laughs> You're trying to go to like Queens, Queens Medical? Possibly. I don't know. I'll, I'll take any job at this point. I just want to get on the island. But they're taking their time getting a hold of me and everyone keeps saying that they're on island time. So good luck. It is a beautiful place. Lived there for a couple of years, uh, but I hate sand. So it was really unfortunate for me. So how long have you scuba dived? So fun fact, I passed my boards for my RN in 2015. And to celebrate, I went and got scuba certified in Playa del Carmen. So since 2015, I've been certified. Awesome. Awesome. Now, so one thing I, I mean, I try to look up some stuff on scuba diving, but one thing I didn't realize or didn't think about till now is I'm assuming there's multiple classes. So which, like, do you have a class rating or what class rating do you have or how does that work? 
Yes. So I have the very basic, it's an open water certification. And with that certification, I can dive up to 60 feet, which is about 18 meters. And then you can go further beyond that. So the next step would be advanced open water, which I hope to get eventually. And then it just goes on and on. Like you can go up to a rescue diver, which I think could be pretty cool, but I don't know if I'll ever go to that extent. I watched a couple shows on those uh, saturation divers that work on the bottom of the ocean. So when are you going to go for that? Never, ever. <laughs> okay, good, because it looks <laughs> it looks horrifying. Though if you are a saturation diver or you know a saturation diver out there and you are listening to this, that would be cool to ask them a few questions as well. So please feel free to reach out to the show, and Ben will be happy to tell you about how to do that. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube all at Just Some Podcast. You can find us on the web or at www.justsomepodcast.com if you want to reach out to us, if you're one of those – divers that Tom was talking about. They know who they are. They know who they are. You can reach us at JSP at justsomepodcast.com. But Tom, let's say they wanted to help out the show. What could they do? Well, first they could find out a saturation diver, have them contact the show, but then they could go to the Just Some Podcast website. They could scroll down to just about the bottom of the page and though they're, oh my God, they will Words see are. an Amazon affiliate link. I know that, Ben. Click on that before you go on to Amazon, search for anything or put it into your cart because then it helps us out. We get some proceeds. It doesn't cost you anything and it helps out the show. We would really appreciate it and we love it when you do it. So thank you again. Well, Tom, let's... Uh... Let's jump into our story that you may have missed, and unfortunately, it's not a story that probably most people have missed, but it's still one that we need to to talk about. And I will say, before we get into the story, um, I feel like at, at JSP and JSP Media here, we we have some, albeit low, we have some <laughs> journalistic standards, and one of those being that when we discuss cases like what we're fixing to discuss. We will not mention the suspect's name. We don't want to give them any more notoriety or anything along those lines. We're talking about the victim, not not the suspect. And so we will not refer to the suspect by a direct name and go from there. But the story we're going to, story you may have missed. So we're talking about Dr. Benjamin Mock, who was gunned down at Campbell Clinic Orthopedics in the Memphis suburb of Collierville on Tuesday. He was shot in an exam room, and the suspect had been in the clinic for several hours prior to the shooting. The suspect is currently being held on $1.2 million bail, and they have not released a particular motive in this case. Several stories that I have read said that in the affidavit, the nurse that was in the room also reported that you know, the suspect pulled a gun out of his waistband and, and shot the surgeon. And then, of course, he was apprehended without any major incident. But one of the extra stories, or one of the other stories that I found when I was looking at this, police in the Memphis suburb of Germantown said that they received several calls on July 5th about the suspect showing unusual behavior at the clinics in that town, although he did not make any threats of violence at that point. In Germantown, he was asked to leave the property and warned about trespassing. So... Tom, this is normally we turn it over to your thoughts, and so <laughs> thoughts. Yeah. So, um, so workplace violence is always something important to me, and I like to make sure I, I frequently have students, for instance. And one of the things I try and talk to everybody about is no matter where you're at, you know, workplace violence is a really incredibly present thing 
and especially in healthcare. I mean, every job has it. There's a million statistics out there for you, but healthcare workers really fall victim to workplace violence. And the fact is, is that even just a couple of years ago, it was unfathomable to think of violence in hospitals. And now it's become commonplace. And now it's just going to continue to filter out. At what point is society, and this is a societal issue. This is not a healthcare issue. Okay. This is society is going to have to figure out how to pull its head out of its ass and say, look, the people that are trying to help you, you can't attack them. That, that's what it's going to have to take. Society is going to have to decide that we are worth more than the individual right to be an asshole. And when they do that, then we'll be able to make some headway. And until they do, we're kind of stuck in this pattern of they think they're allowed to punch us in the face. And for some reason, we keep telling ourselves we should take it. And I do not subscribe to that. I, I do not believe that if patients threaten you or something, it's part of the job or you should take it. No. No, I do not believe in that, and I do not think anybody should su subject themselves to that. So that's how I feel, is that clearly at some point, this guy had been in the clinic from my understanding. And again, there's too many details that are unknown for me to actually give like a, a breakdown of a case, which honestly maybe is something we'll do on JSP. But what I would say is the preliminary findings are they knew this guy was a problem. And then he comes back being a problem, but this time he has a handgun. So why was he even in an exam room is my, my first question. Is he's already been there once and been an, a, an issue. Why are you sticking him alone in a room as Well, I think problem? it was a different just, town. From my understanding, at least the article that I read was a, it was a different town that he Oh, see, my, I had already read a story where he had already been to the clinic once and had come back. Like this was – the shooting was hours after an initial appearance. Gotcha. So I, but again, these may be, could be incorrect details. That's why we kind of need to know. But regardless of the issues, I doubt that the very first time this person met the surgeon, it resulted in this gunfire. I would agree with I that. I mean, it's, it's possible, but it's unlikely. So I think there's going to be a lot to come out, but regardless, this is a tragedy of what happened to this healthcare professional and that nurse, whether she was physically harmed, she will never be able to, you know, like her life is, she's going to need some therapy. Yeah. yeah she's going to have to be dealing with this. You know, and I, I keep going back to at first when I got into medicine, nobody came to hospitals. And I mean, it, I shouldn't say that nobody. There was the occasional jerk or, you know, stuff happened, drunk in the ER, patient panics on the floor. That stuff happened, but it was incredibly rare. And now we have just accepted violence so much, it's just seeping into every part of healthcare. And these people feel that it's their right to treat us like that. And in, like I said, until we go back to a base level change where we say, no, you do not get to be a jerk because you think it's your right to be an individual jerk. That That is no longer acceptable. Until we say those things, I think we're kind of stuck. Now, Miss Laura, you said you're an ER nurse. Certainly you have dealt with some some violence. What is, what is your take on this? So as soon as you started talking about this, it made me think of a horror story that another travel nurse told me because as travelers, we talk, we talk about what hospitals to go to, what hospitals to avoid. And he had told me about a shooting in Texas at one of the ERs he was working and the active shooter shot and killed multiple staff. And eventually PD shot him. He lost his pulse and they resuscitated the guy. I mean, talk about needing that's, therapy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's – I mean, 
look, that's one of those. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's, that's one hard. of the ultimate stories of. Yeah, ER nurse. That's what yeah. we do. I mean, yeah, that is rough, though. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't. I want to say automatically, hands down, we all know what we would do, but boy, it makes you think for a second when you say that. And I, I guess I would, I'll go out and say if I'm already doing CPR on one of my fellow staff members, I probably don't know. I would stop to do other things at that point. I would focus on the patient in front of me. So hopefully there was enough staff there, but good Lord, man, that is Hmm. anyways, as far as personal workplace violence, I mean, like I said, I've been a nurse almost eight years and I know you were saying earlier, like when you started out, it wasn't very common. And I feel like coming in, you know, eight years ago, like that was second nature. You're like, oh, you know, don't stand too close to a patient after giving Narcan because he'll probably punch you in the face. And yeah, it's that's... part of the game, unfortunately. And and honestly, I would say this, and then I want to hear Ben's feelings on it, but I would also say I have worked in different parts of the country. That is also a very different feeling on where you work is how how that's handled. Because I've worked in ERs where they'd be like, oh, well, you know, this is one way. But I've also worked in ERs where it's like, hey, when when you give this drug, you know, like you said, Narcan being one of them, like that is a drug I became very familiar with in certain hospitals. But in other hospitals, I was like, oh, we have that, you know, like, oh, you know, so it, it's it's very odd that that's another thing I've dealt with in my career is different parts of the country are completely different in in the way people not get their care because I think the staff remains the same, but just the local culture and how things are handled, it just, it can be completely different. And that, that was a real shock to me. My thoughts on it are basically that I think we have to quantify that there is a difference in an 82 year old lady who has confusion because she has a UTI smacking yes. at you while you're trying to put a catheter in versus, you know, someone hauling off and hitting the shit out of you or, or, or yeah. choking you, whatever the case may be. And I do think that there, there have been a lot of states that have stepped out and made it felonies to attack healthcare workers. I think that that should be across the board. Not to say that you're going to charge everybody with a felony, but you at least have that avenue. The other thing that needs to happen is healthcare or hospital administration needs to support their workers. If you're assaulted at work, it's not a, well, you know, that happens and, you know, we got to keep those HCAP scores high. So Hmm. don't worry about that. You need to support your workers if they're truly being assaulted at work and, and go from there. So anyway, I, 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 I want to say though, I think that goes back to, we're all going to have to, I mean, like everybody, not just healthcare workers, everybody involved is going to have to say we're done. Like this can't be a thing anymore because healthcare workers have been saying this is bad. Stop doing this to us. And it's getting worse, not better. So clearly we're not going to fix it. Clearly we can't do it by ourselves. So that is a big issue. And honestly, I maybe we should do a bigger, deeper dive on this when more of the details come out. But for tonight, I think we all know it's terrible and stay safe. All right. Watch out for each other out there. We have done a workplace violence episode. We need to update it. We need to yeah, do another one. We can. Um, but here's the thing. If you're listening to this and you're in healthcare, violence is part of your life now. So you better figure out a plan. It's not a question of if it's a question of when or what. 
And so you might as well get to dealing with that. I unfortunately agree with you. Tom, let's take a break here. And then on the other side, we'll go under the sea. What if I don't want to? You're going no matter what. I don't mm-hmm. care if you don't like sand and water, you're going. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. So Tom, with your echo core digital stethoscope, do you think with that 40 time amplification that it has, you'd be able to hear better even underwater? I would, because as I found out, if you go at least 10 meters deep, increase the atmospheric pressure on your ears and you can't hear as well. So you would need that 40 time amplification to hear just as well as at the surface. But the only problem would be the noise cancellation. You might be, not be able to hear the charts you know, swimming up behind you. So it does have 40 time amplification and it has noise cancellation. It Bluetooths to your phone and detects AFib now. It is a very, very cool game-changing piece of equipment. It truly is the future of auscultation. Just go check them out. It's echohealth.com, ekohealth.com. Use code JSP. It gives you $50 off your order. Let's know that we sent you. Tom, do you have aches, pains, joint aches, muscle aches, maybe heartache? You know, you offer someone a date and they turn you down. Well, no one would ever offer me a date unless they were talking about fruit because obviously that's the only thing anybody would ever offer me if my name was Sam. But... Ben, I do. I'm getting older and I have constant minor aches and pains, all the joints, especially my right ankle. I used some CBD stat the other night, their new 7,500 milligram ointment, and it fixed it overnight. I swear to God, it felt 100% better the next day. It really is amazing stuff and it's THC free, so it's legal all over the United States. And Tom, yeah, they love their healthcare workers. And so what they do for your healthcare workers, if you go to cbdstat.care slash healthcare, you fill out that form. They're going to give you a permanent 40% discount just because you're in healthcare, and that's a permanent 40% discount. But Tom, they know that not all our listeners are in healthcare, so what can our listeners do? They can go and put in the code JSP20. And that gives them? 20% off their total purchase. That's right. 20% off their order just because they're listening to Tom and I now using code JSP20. Go check them out at cbdstat.care. All right, Tom, so we got through all, you know, the story you may have missed and the the commercials to pay for the show. So let's get our scuba suits on and... uh, Scuba Steves? Scuba Steve. (laughs) We're going to go scuba Steven. And talk to uh, Miss Laura more about scuba. So let's start with how did you get into it? So one of my sisters, her and her husband were certified and she suggested that me and her daughter, which me and her daughter are pretty close in age get certified and they talked about how great it was and I already loved the water I mean in another life I wish I could be a mermaid but that's obviously not an option and so scuba was the next best bet and here we are all these years later so do you have plans to like go further are you happy with what you're doing now and what is some of the basic stuff if somebody – I know we talked a little bit before. You said you had the open water certification. So like let's say somebody wanted to get into some basic diving. What are we looking at for like a setup? Like what so, do we need? Yeah. So going to the PADI website, usually you do kind of some pre-course work and that prepares you. And then you go in person and you do a little classroom work and then you do diving in a pool and then you eventually move to an ocean. And it can be kind of a pricey thing to get into. But what I always tell people is it's a lifetime certification. 
you do it once and then you have it for life. The only other thing is you might need a refresher course. Like for example, I haven't been diving in a couple years because kind of COVID hit and then I just haven't been around an ocean because I'm in the state of Oklahoma, unfortunately. That but is you very can do a refresher course. Yes. <laughs> so so it's it's pretty simple. I think that I did a couple hours online and then I think I did a day of class and then by day three, I was in the water and the ocean diving. And it's just out of this world experience. If you're not claustrophobic, I highly recommend it to anybody that's willing to try it. What if you don't like fish? I think you need to get over your phobia of fish. I think we have something <laughs> deeper to dive into about this. <laughs> I only like and fish we'll on my fork. On the show sometime <laughs> see if we can dive into Tom's fish phobia. So where's the most amazing locations you have got the opportunity to dive? I would say the Grand Cayman. It was absolutely spectacular. We did shipwreck dives and different barrier reefs, and it was just absolutely incredible. So many turtles, so many cool fish, just kind of out of this world. And I think probably the biggest reason that I keep doing it is it's just it doesn't matter if you're aching, if your body hurts all over, if you're sad about something, if you keep getting all these emails or work stressing you out. Once you get under that water and you don't have your phone going off and you don't have people yelling at you or trying to hit you in the ER, you just, it's pure bliss. So when you say pure bliss, let's talk about that whole barrow trauma thing. So what is the scariest thing that has happened to you under the water? So the scariest I would say is because I've done a handful of shipwreck dives and there was one that there was a very tight space to get through. And I remember my tank getting caught, like it was like a doorway and it getting caught like on the upper part of the doorway. And I kind of started to panic, but thankfully, you know, the instructor that was with me saw that that happened. He kind of helped maneuver me and then we were all good. So thankfully that's the only mishap that I've had. Hmm. And so I, again, I did some basic studying, learning, you know, dive medicine and some of the stuff for the show. So when you're at 33 feet, is there any sort of decompression like issues? Cause I know they said even at the bottom of a pool, you can get, you know, trauma to your lungs. So when you can go all the way to down to 33 feet, what are some of the precautions or what are the steps you take to not get decompression issues? So the main thing that we do is what's called a safety stop. And so you do that at 15 feet. And so we have our little dive clocks on our watches that tell us where we're at specifically. And so we'll get to the 15 feet and then we float there for anywhere from three to five minutes. And that's just the right amount of time for the nitrogen to basically dissolve from our bloodstream. So and we're going to kind of jump around here. I'm, I'm sorry. So my background in like emergency in emergency preparedness, like one of the things that we do is like, you know, the peppers and uh, like respirators. And, you know, there's, we take vitals beforehand, we take vitals after, you know, there's questionnaires they have to go through. Is there anything like that kind of pre-dive that you do to ensure that you're safe while you're down there? 100% there is. So something that they recommend is, you know, don't have a drinking frenzy the night before, 
they, you, you know, you don't want to be dehydrated. So you always try to make good decisions the night before. And then basically the safety stop is the big thing. So I guess there's not a whole bunch that we do, but just try to be physically in touch with your body and not drinking a whole bunch of alcohol, I guess at the end of the day is what it is. Fair enough. So would you say that affects more Henry's law or Dalton's law? I'm just fucking with you. (laughs) 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 Oh my God. The look on your face for a second. She's like, Oh, son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. No, I, I learned, I learned a million fascinating things about scuba diving in preparation for this show. I also learned how incredibly technical nerdy, that diving is and for good reason and it should be because the amount of physics and chemistry that goes into your body and keeping it alive at depth is phenomenal and the fact that human beings can survive it is amazing i just can't imagine some part of me going hey you know it'd be fun is if i shrink my lungs by 20 percent and use only compressed air which may kill me at an increased rate and then do it and say it's fun that's the part. Oh, let me go down underwater where it's freezing. And if anything goes wrong, I die. I don't know. I, I got to be honest. There's a couple holes in the fun story I'm finding with scuba diving. So what makes you – I know you said it's the quiet, it's the calm. But is there is there anything else about scuba diving? Like obviously I would assume if you could do anything else in the world, you'd be a scuba diver. I mean – I don't know. It's hard to explain if you've never done it. I, I kind of like I had said before we started recording, like I knew the bare minimum of the things that could go wrong. And then kind of the more research I did, I was like, oh, this is yeah. a bad idea. I should have terrible. <laughs> I should have gone back to not knowing all of this. So I think kind of, I don't know. I just try to live my fear or live my life without fear, you know, and, and shouldn't we be having a good time? We process. should. I just, I just think avioli rupture may make that hard. Oh, stop so it. I'm just kidding. I'm just giving you a hard time. So, so let me get back to an actual question. I just want to give you a hard time for a second. I'm sure ben, I know has got one loaded up, but here. So one of the other things that was I found immensely interesting was the different types of air mixtures that you can have on the different types of rigs. So, do you do just oxygen, or do you do one of the mixes, or for your depth and rating, what do you do? And if you wanted to go further, like what are the next steps, or what are the next tanks, etc., stuff like that. So for me, which is only the 60 feet, 18 meters, we do compressed air. So it's a mixture of nitrogen and oxygen. As far as going deeper, I'm going to be completely honest. I am not very knowledgeable with that, but I know that they have all the different mixtures and different tanks that you have to use. And my main thing is, you know, I be sure to find dive people that have good ratings because, you know, basically you're putting your lives in their hands and you want someone that's knowledgeable and knows what they're doing. Cause like you said, there's a lot of physics to it. There's a lot of science behind it and you need to know what you're doing. So have you had any complications post diving, you know, like the bins or anything like along those lines or because of that safety stop, you've been able to kind of prevent that? Yes, because of the safety stop, I have been able to prevent that. I've never experienced any symptoms of the bins and I've never known anybody. And also another 
thing that I was thinking about as I've worked as a travel nurse on each coast and I've never seen anything like that in the ER either. So I don't think it's very common anymore. Well, one of the interesting things I heard a safety guy who was talking about this. I think he was from a hospital system in Florida and this is exactly, he did a whole thing on dive medicine traumas and stuff like that. And he was talking about how difficult it is because there's no money in it. There's no money in operating pressure tanks or anything like that. So no hospitals have them. And he said, for instance, in like one part of the Florida I heard on, on a video, he said the only local tank is the U S Navy's and we can't use it. So we don't even have, so if we have somebody come up, we don't have a way to treat them. And so that was like, oh boy, that, that would be a whole nother thing I may want to know. If you're going to do like the super deep dives or something like that, it just, man, there's, there, like you said before, there are so many precautions and physics and all that stuff that are built into this. It is incredible. Anybody listening that has ever thought to themselves, oh, you just put a hose in your mouth and you dive underwater. <laughs> I assure you, it takes one YouTube video of a dive instructor telling you how your lungs explode if you come up without exhaling that you go, crap, that sounds like a real bad idea. So how do I avoid that? So now even if I get into the shower, I exhale real hard if I my face gets covered <laughs> with water. So it's, it's, it's a reflex now, ma'am. You may have saved my life. Oh, Tom. <laughs> it's true. You got you to be prepared at all times. Those bubble baths could be treacherous, Ben. Treacherous. All two feet of them, I know. And so we don't want you to drown. So Tom had mentioned, you know, about it being cold. So granted, I mean, obviously you dove in warmer climates, but do you have concerns about hypothermia when you're down 60 feet? And do you use a wetsuit? How do you? So everywhere that I've been has been warm enough that I've been able to be just in a swimsuit. So I've never had the concern of hypothermia, but my niece that we got certified the same time, she just got back from Portugal and did a dive um, trip out there. And she said that they had like full on wetsuits, masks, everything. And that she said that even with all of that, she was still shivering underwater. And personally, that is not my kind of diving. <laughs> uh, I want to, <laughs> I don't want to be cold. I, I go to scuba dive to be warm. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. That's what I keep saying is when you were like, everyone's like, oh, it's so fun. And then I watched some of these videos and they're talking about how, oh, the water at this depth is just above freezing. I'm like, that doesn't sound like fun at all. So not at all. (laughs) But at the same time, you know, the guys that are diving that deep are also getting compensated very, very well for it. So I guess you got to give one for the other. Is there anybody or is there anything in scuba diving like – when I was watching, I saw some guys that did like free diving, like a competition thing. So in scuba diving, other than scuba diving, what do you, is there like a competition? Like, is there a scuba Olympics? Like where you guys paddle the longest at 30 feet? Like, well, I don't understand. Like, is there any sort of competitive scuba thing that compares to like free diving? Or is that not even – I would assume that's not possible because you're regulated by depth, but – Not that I know of. I have never heard of anything like that, but you never know. But the free diving, that's some serious business. So that's the only reason I even asked is because, again, looking up stuff to talk to you about scuba diving, I was going to ask you, have you ever seen or been around free diving or have you ever tried it? 
So I haven't, but I I read a book about it and it was very interesting and I'd love to see it, but it kind of sounds like it can be pretty gruesome. I I read the book deep and he was talking about people coming out with blood coming out of their eyeballs and their noses and yeah, Um, like coding where they were coding people on boats and stuff. I mean, serious stuff. Ben, do you know what the current world record for the deepest free solo one breath dive is i do not miss laura do you know what it is i have no idea okay so i'm gonna say and honestly if there's some better record i don't i don't know i didn't look it up but i watched it on the the last thing i saw was pretty recent 214 meters that's wow yeah now granted he was strapped into like a sled which drug him down and then pulled him back up but still a human being with no protection except for eye goggles and uh, 214 meters down. I was like, I thought stuff started rupturing inside of you at that point without protection. So the human body is pretty amazing to be able to. And and honestly, again, we're all saying, wow, because we did some research for the show. We found out what happens to the human body at depths like that. But again, weird things start happening. Like your lungs literally start to compress and shrink. You know, the amount of oxygen and nitrogen in your tissue starts to increase, like weird things start to happen to your body at those depths. So the fact that we can survive that is pretty amazing. Ben, did you see anything like that when you were researching? I did not. I was just sitting here thinking, man, I bet he didn't do a safety stuff. (laughs) No, no. Actually, no, he did. He did. I will send you guys a video. I am pretty sure he actually did stop. Like the guy was cognizant enough. To be like, you know, he did the whole thing, you know, and that was part of the thing. He, you have to give, I guess, is that a thing, the okay symbol? Because every time I watch a diving vi- video, they're like, oh, he's giving the okay, so it's okay. So what does the okay symbol signify or what is that? Just basically that you're okay. They have various signals that oh, they so give. Oh, so divers are clever. <laughs> 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 About as clever as they come. <laughs> So what are some of the signals that you use? Because obviously you can't communicate as well underwater, I'm assuming. I'm going to try to bring this back on track from Tom. I'm sorry. She said that. I was like, that was perfect. I could not not say. She said, well, it means you're okay. Well, no kidding. All right. (laughs) Well, that's one less guess we'll have to worry about on the Christmas card list. So there you go. (laughs) Thanks, Sam. Oh. I was going to say, I can see why you guys are friends with Sam. You guys, yes, <laughs> I can see it. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yeah. yeah. We taught him everything he knows, so. But, so, are there certain hands that, I mean, how do you communicate with other divers or your instructors or whoever the case may be when you're underwater? Uh, so, obviously, you have the okay sign. Uh, they have various signs, which it's been a while, but, like, to point out different fish, like, of course, the turtle one is, like, one hand over the other and you do the... Oh, the, she's I making a thumb motion. That. I wish the people yeah. could see this. Oh, God. I know. How do I explain that? <laughs> the turtle. <laughs> God. I can't unsee it. Oh, it's going to haunt so, my so dreams. So it's basically one hand on top of the other one. And then yes, and then both, you have both thumbs that are rotating yes, to the weird. side. Yeah. Okay. That's really hard to explain. Obviously, <laughs> like, you... If you're in a car, you, please don't stop driving and being like... like <laughs> We are not responsible for accidents. I, I, I got to be honest. I think this is the first time I've had a guest demonstrate on air. I was like, what is going on? <laughs> that 
that was awesome. No, I'm so happy, but I was like, I was not prepared for that. I was like, oh my gosh. Okay. Go on. Go on, ma'am. I'm sorry. If you put your hand like on top of your head and you do it upwards, once again, I don't even know how to explain this, but like a shark, like a shark fin on top of your head. Oh, I gotcha. No, that that would be one I would definitely want to know pre going into the water. Hey, things That's that kill me other for. than frantically waving my arms. Is there something I should do to point out? Because the only two danger signs I would know are frantic waving in arms, <laughs> swimming upwards real fast. Those are my two things. So, which I know you're not supposed to do now. So there you go. I want to ask you a question. Have you ever seen the movie The Abyss? No. You've never, you've never seen the movie The Abyss. Do I need to watch it tonight? Yes, it? absolutely. It's about an underwater like rig, and it's a great movie. And it's made by uh, who's that guy? He made Titanic. James Cameron. Does something go wrong in it with the scuba diver and they die? No, I mean oh, okay. stuff happens. You know, like, it's a James okay. Cameron movie. It's not. It's not a documentary. Okay, but okay. I mean stuff's gonna happen. All right, I don't want to ruin it. Spoiler alert: It's been out since like 1993, but you know you haven't seen it, so you should definitely go watch it. It was shot completely underwater, like the set was underwater. They lived. Well, the actors got to come and go, but like when they went down to shoot, James Cameron, the director, and the crew were underwater. All day, so they all had to be scuba certified. They all so it was a very involved movie, and I remember watching it as a kid and was fascinated with this stuff. And I just didn't know if I know you said how you got into it, but did anything like inspire you? Did you ever watch anything and go, "Man, that is really cool"? Or have you ever watched anything and you said that is absolute bullshit? Like that is not exact. That's not at all what happens in diving. Like, what are some movies and you've seen that you're like, "That's that's pretty close" or "That's pretty far." Since you uh, haven't seen to, The Abyss. <laughs> so. well, now that I think about it, I mean, there's really not many scuba movies that – what inspired me was my sister. She just kept saying, if you like snorkeling, you'll love scuba even more. And I've loved right. snorkeling yeah, since I was yeah. a kid. I've been, I've been trying yeah. to help out the scuba community tonight, but so far it's cold <laughs> – it's dark. Sorry. It's lonely. You might die. There's nothing <laughs> inspirational. Nobody makes movies about us. Okay. Be a scuba diver. Have fun. It's a great time. So hope you don't die of an embolism. So and there you go. <laughs> while Tom is spoiling James Cameron movies, I'd like to go ahead and spoil one too. Jack dies at the end of Titanic. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but oh, so for everybody listening, including you, ma'am, all right, there's a scene where they talk about breathing water, like liquid emulsion for divers to go really deep. That's a true scene. They hold a rat in this solution and it looks like it's CGI. No, that is really a oxygenated emulsion. And the rat was able to pass it over its lungs and could breathe underwater. So you've seen it. It's pretty awesome. And for the longest time, I was like, that's gotta be fake. They're like, no, that's, that is 100% true. And one human being has done it. For the United States Navy, he dra- or he was able to breathe a over oxygen saturated saline solution, and he was actually able to stay alive. But he almost died post procedure because they did not get all of the fluid out of his lungs, and he then de- developed pneumonia and almost passed away from that. But yes, he was able to stay alive on just oxygenated fluid. That's pretty awesome. Okay. Getting this back on track. Cool. That was totally on track. That was all scuba medicine right there. That really happened. We made a human being breathe water, Ben. We didn't, but anyway. That's the coolest scuba story that I've heard. So, 
the turtle was pretty cool. <laughs> the turtle was pretty cool. Okay, You're right. Yeah. I stand corrected. <laughs> okay. So, so in your education through scuba and your certification and stuff, obviously they do talk about some of the complications. So what, say you're working in an ER or you're working in a primary care office or something and you have someone who has recently scuba. So like, what are some things that maybe we need to watch out for? Well, the most common thing and they taught us in our class was the decompression sickness, which is the bins. You mentioned that earlier. And I researched, I found out that the reason it's called the bins is because I guess when originally people started having the symptoms as they were bent over from the joint pain. But yeah, just basically having joint and muscle pain, loss of hearing, they can have nausea, uh, uncontrollable shaking. And what causes that is just having too much nitrogen in your bloodstream. And that is the reason we do the safety stop to help dissolve the nitrogen so we don't get decompression sickness. And so you mentioned the safety stop. Is that on the way down? Is that on the way back up? Is that both? That's on the way up. So after you've died, and that's like another thing is you can't be down there for too long. Obviously, you you know don't want to run out of oxygen, but also you don't want to be that down there too long consuming all that nitrogen as well. So usually, like for example, my certification, you can't go more than an hour. Like 56 minutes is kind of the cutoff for how long you can be underwater. So one of the things when I was watching again, this going back to saturation divers, the guys that go real deep to the bottom, because they talked specifically about how long it takes them. And the reason they do saturation diving is because at their depth and the amount of time they spend down there, it takes them two weeks to decompress. It is a 14 day decompression process because they spend 28 days at the bottom. So I'm like, imagine what that does for your mental health. Well, I got to be honest. So if, if anybody wants to watch it, there's a million YouTube videos on it. There is a amazing documentary called The Last Breath, which, spoiler alert, if you are terrified of diving, do not watch. It's called The Last Breath for a reason, but they talk about saturation diving. And they basically take a couple guys and force them to live in a propane tank for like 28 days. I mean, it is incre- It's the inside of a minivan. Like it is not a lot of room and you live elbow to elbow with people for 28 days, but they also make a lot of money. One of the videos I said, said they average about $1,400 a day. So it's lucrative if you're willing to, you know, breathe Trimex and live on the bottom of the ocean for quite a while and then spend two weeks coming up. So they do usually have medical personnel uh, that are trained to deal with any emergencies at nine atmospheres of depth. But they also admittedly were like, it better be pretty minor (laughs) because if it's not, this is – they're going down. There's nothing we can do at at this place. So because saturation, they will actually come up and down, but they stay at that depth pressure. So they said even if we were on the boat at the surface, we're still at nine atmospheres. We can't pop the hatch. So – Either way, diving has been incredibly interesting to learn about for this interview, and I have learned a lot, most of which is that I don't know anything about diving and that it is scary as hell. And that's what I've mostly learned about this. So you're saying you're never going to try it? Oh, I kind of want to try it, but I only want to go about three feet down. (laughs) So that's about – I just want to wear the cool like helmet and then just be like, there you go. That's it. That's all I want. And what about you, Ben? Will you ever try it? 
I mean, I would. I, I, would, I certainly wouldn't be opposed to it. I've snorkeled before and it was fun. So yeah, when we, when I lived in Hawaii, we snorkeled and you know did some stuff like that. Hanama Bay, shout out, awesome place to go snorkeling. Again, being so far under, you're like, oh, you have to have air, and just knowing, oh, by the way, something can happen to that air. That, I mean, I know that can happen any sport you do that's extreme, but it just seems really scary, you know, with all the recent things that have been on the news about the ocean. It does make you think, oh boy. That seems really dangerous to go underwater right now. So, but I mean, I'm sure it's a great time. I just find it incredibly terrifying and fish. Well, so. Laura, what would you say to sell people on the idea of scuba diving since Tom is completely just shit all over the idea? Obliterating it. <laughs> well, you're making it easy to be completely fair. So. <laughs> So my number one thing is it's an activity that doesn't hurt your body. You know, I used to snowboard and I quit snowboarding because my whole body would hurt the next day because I was so bad at it. And with scuba, you don't have to worry about that. And then the other thing, you getting to see part of the world that a lot of people never get to see. I mean, that's pretty, pretty incredible. And then also getting to go to incredible places where you scuba dive, you know, I did the PP islands and that was some of the beautiful, most beautiful islands I've ever seen. And the scuba was fantastic. Now that's a great selling point. I'm not going to lie. That makes you want to go. I would go to Bora Bora. Like, that'd be cool. Like I could do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as we're wrapping up here, let's uh, go into our final segment that we do with all of our guests, which is called five questions. Join us on a journey into the inner psyche of our guest. As we ask five, 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 five questions. Okay, Laura, so this is five questions, and we ask the same five questions to all of our guests, and we don't want you to think too much about it. We just want you to kind of give you the, the first answer that kind of comes off your mind. And it's very, very simple. Um, I ask the questions, and Tom makes fun of your answers. So are you ready for five questions? I am ready. All right. Question one. What's your favorite medical word? Angina. Nice. Or is it angina? No, no. You say you stick with that first one. You stick with the angina. You stick with that. I like it. And why is that? Just I think it's just so funny how people say both words. Like it's angina, but people say angina, and then people are like, "You said what?" No, oh, yeah, yeah. The you first time you hear, interest? yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I like that word. That's a good one. Yeah, uh, you've, you've, yeah. you've asked Tom's first test. Right? There you go. There you go. That's I like that one. That's a good word. That's I like that. It's funny. Question two: If you could do any job in the world other than what you currently do, what would it be? A food critic, 1,000%. Get paid to eat food all day? Hell yeah. Wrong. You are a scuba diver. Why? Skipper is clearly your choice, (laughs) Laura. I don't know. Scuba Steve, huh? (laughs) That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Laura, it's right there. It was the brass ring was in front of you, and you picked food critic. Well, I hope Philadelphia has got great scuba diving for you there. All right. That's where you're going to be, Laura. Philadelphia. But she could, you know, travel around the islands 
Of Philadelphia? No, I'm. (laughs) Oh, you're in Madison, Wisconsin this time, Laura, for a review this restaurant. Have fun scuba diving in February in Madison, Wisconsin. She's going to be an exotic food critic, you know, like the the Cayman Islands and there you go. Ben's got to figure it out. Madagascar, Fiji, Maldives. (laughs) (laughs) All right, question three. Think back to your first car. Was it a stylish ride or a rolling turd? (laughs) (laughs) That one usually gets people. Yeah. (laughs) It was pretty stylish. It was a Passat Volkswagen. Um, It was a hand-me-down from one of my sisters, and I felt pretty lucky. It even had a sunroof. It's pretty sweet. I got to be honest. All right. That's a pretty awesome – I mean, we've had some people – they had some – terrible cars but that's actually what year oh goodness maybe like a 2001 oh my god is even fairly new that's barely see i know we're going to modify this question when we have people this young on the show apparently (laughs) so okay well here i've got a so whenever i didn't have that vehicle because i'd get in trouble and my mom would take that one away she'd (laughs) make me drive the 91 (laughs) toyota pickup that was a stick shift so that was your punishment? That was my punishment. <laughs> Here, take the tetanus mobile. Maybe you'll get maybe you'll get rust on you. <laughs> take that. Don't don't drive in safety or luxury. I wouldn't want my kid to be too safe. I like to make sure that when they turn corners too fast, something might jam them in the thigh. That's what I like to do. Thanks, Ma. That's what I would have told her. <laughs> there you go. Hopefully I make it to school alive. Well, that was a hell of a commercial for Toyota. Thanks, Tom. <laughs> Um, it's another sponsor we can mark off the list. Of yeah, well, they probably weren't. Yeah, they probably weren't knocking. So. <laughs> All right, question four: If your house was on fire, everyone, including your pets, are safe. Other than pictures, what's the one thing you want to get out of your house? Thought provoking. Can we cue oh, up man. the uh, Jeopardy music? No, it's <laughs> Don't even sing it. <laughs> if I could grab anything. Oh. Yeah, um, like what do you got to get out of your my, house, Laura? Pressure. My, You're dying. My, my full-size Pac-Man arcade game in my closet. Hold up. We may have a fucking winner here. Whoa. Where? Stop. First of all, where did you get a full-size arcade Pac-Man game? Let's – I my mind is reeling. Like every once in a while we get a humdinger and this is one of them, Ben. Where did you get a full-size arcade game? It was a gift, but he got it that from Walmart. That is a Walmart. hell of a gift. Yeah. 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 Did you move it, it in the 91 Toyota? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you bring it with you? Like what happened here? Well, when you travel, it doesn't go with you, does it? No, no. Oh, thank God. Not. I was like, that's a level of dedication. Not. Yeah, I'm like, Whoa. no, I'm not that dedicated. I was like, so are you, are you good at Pac-Man then? Yeah. Oh, I'm really good. There? Oh. Yeah. You know what? No hesitation there. Yeah, that's, that is fantastic. <laughs> you know what? That's a win. I like that answer. That's I don't know, because here's what I'm picturing. Her house is on fire, and now she's got like a dolly, and she's loading up this <laughs> Like the scene from Seinfeld. <laughs> she's trying to frog her out the cup. Oh, my God. Oh, is it Pac-Man or Miss Pac-Man? 
Uh, it's a Pac-Man. And do you get insulted when people ask you if it's Miss Pac-Man? No, not at all. Good, because Miss Pac-Man is just as good as Pac-Man. So that's, that's yeah, the I right agree. answer as well. Yes. Oh, all right. All right. That was a fantastic answer. You know I, what? I was not expecting that. I, 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 I got to be honest. If people could have seen the shocked look on my face, because so far <laughs> she's been like, yeah, you could die of an embolism, but I have a great time. But then she busts out Pac-Man <laughs> cabinet arcade game in my closet. Did not see that coming. So. <laughs> all right. Uh, last question. Question five. You have $9.18 in your pocket. You're at a gas station or a convenience store. What all do you buy? Couple candy bars. Okay, but what candy bars? Like, oh. you don't, no, we don't get off that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah. Okay. Definitely Snickers, Reese's okay. Peanut Butter Cups. There you go. Okay. Okay. I don't, usually gas stations don't have this, but if they did do a sour one, so Zowers, do you know what those are? Oh, yeah. 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 Little, They're hard like, to find. Yes. Yes, so some Zowers. Ooh, you're about uh, seven bucks right now. What are you doing you with that You think so already? Oh, oh gosh. I okay. yeah, probably five and bucks. Like, we're, one we're of those sketchy taquitos. Piece. One of those sketchy taquitos <laughs> that have probably been on there for days. Uh, you know? Yeah. Yeah, like how long has that thing been rolling around? You like those ones, huh? You like to live danger. Well, obviously. She likes so to she live dangerous. Obviously. Yeah. yeah. She was like, for fun, I like to rupture my lungs possibly. Yeah, there you go. That's awesome. So I guess a three-day-old taquito in the back of a gas station really is the scariest thing she's going to tackle. So I guess there's that. Now, hold on. So you're going to eat all that and not get a drink? You're going to be parched, young lady. I was going to get a Slurpee, but then you told me I had already spent basically all my money. I told you you had $9.18. It's not my fault that you were just willy-nilly going through. Is this how you scuba dive? (laughs) You're going to get the bends, okay? You have got to plan ahead, ma'am, all right? I'm trying to tell you what you have. You're trying to tell me what you want, okay? They're not the same. So you're going to say, are you going to put something back or are you going Zowers no drink? What I'll are we doing here? I'll put the Zowers back and I'll, I'll get a drink. Okay, what are you drinking? Yeah. A Slurpee. Well, okay. Specifically, which one? Cherry yes. flavored. God, we got to hand feed you this whole thing? Yes, you got to tell us cherry. If she would have said water, I would have been like, cut off the mic. We're done. You ate a Snickers or Reese's Cup. Some high quality and, H2O. Yeah, yeah. Snickers bar, Reese's Cup, three-day-old taquito. Oh, and a spring water. Done. <laughs> Get her off my show. I cannot deal with this. But you said cherry Slurpee, and honestly, that's excellent. Do you ever mix them? If you mix them, what flavor do you mix it with? Probably the Dr. Pepper and the cherry, and you have like a cherry Dr. Pepper. Mm. What are your thoughts on that? Is that Dr. Pepper is communist? Dr. Pepper is communist, but Coke, I will, I will say this. How about this? Let's, let's do this. I would say, I would go with what she's saying. I like the cola flavor. Even though I had to do Dr. Pepper, I would probably say if I was going to mix it that, unless they have blue raspberry, cherry blue raspberry is a hell of a combo. So I do like that. But then it makes your slushy like really dark green or purple and it looks gross. So be careful. So looks like the butt on the ocean. So you know. Mm, there you go. So, Miss Laura, that's the uh the end of the show. How do you how do you feel about your your voyage on the JSP? USS JSPS. I don't know like what, what would we be if we were a ship. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Well, I, I, I enjoyed it, and I think that I'm just really curious about this fish thing. I, I really want to understand. What they know so what they did, and that's all that matters, okay? 
Oh, that's okay. what counts. All right. Okay. You can't trust them. And Pufferfish, that's not what the name implies. Okay. It's a lying name. All right. So just leave it at that. I, I don't know what his deal is, but we, we have a psych expert on, on the show occasionally, and we'll we'll get him on to just try to figure out Tom. It'll probably be a multiple multiple episode. Good luck. I identify <laughs> as Irish. I'm impervious to psychoanalysis. He can't do anything. Anyway, Lori, any parting <laughs> thoughts before uh, we get off the air? About scuba diving. I actually have a parting thought about the solution. This isn't scuba diving, but about the solution with the aggression in the ERs. Oh, okay. I think a, a salt lick block of Xanax in the waiting rooms. <laughs> or a Haldol sprayer over the doors, yes. Yeah, we, we've talked about an Ativan sprayer. Like, like yes. there's misters like every 45 seconds. And just Spectacular. Hey. Yes. yes. I do like the uh, Xanax salt lick, though. That is going to be one mega block because the staff's going to be eating half of it. So there you the go. The only problem I see with that is particularly in areas of the country, say the Midwest, where methamphetamine is – you know, very uh, runs rampant. That Salt Lake Xanax block is going to last about 32 seconds in the lobby before some tweaker comes. That's in, a good point. Hauls it off, <laughs> out selling Xanax rocks. Yeah, I got the world's best urinal cake. Whoa, buddy, back up. So, anyway, on those notes. Miss Laura, thank you for joining us and uh, giving us all the, the details about scuba and scaring the hell out of Tom even worse than he already was. Uh, we appreciate that. Thank you for having me. Everybody out there, take care of yourselves and each other. Hey, everybody, stay safe out there. Practice swearing just to pass the time. Lately, I see why I am alone. Some road rich and I thought of you And all the many times you say I should have known Talk across all